Y'all, we wouldn't be here without Youth Scene, the organization that sponsors this podcast, How to Be Queer. Youth Scene envisions a society where young people are empowered as individuals to access non-judgmental and unbiased treatment in every aspect of their lives. They encourage the creative creation of a community that celebrates everyone's worth, diverse characteristics, and dignity. Youth Scene provides mental wellness, resources, education, and support for all the LGBTQ communities, including youth and their families. So head on over to Youth Scene, that's youth, S-E-E-N dot org, and click on connect to give your money to support this organization dedicated to supporting our queer, trans, black, indigenous people of color communities. Hey, Balls and Magic, welcome back to How Do We Be Queer podcast. Hi, Alex. Hi. Hi, Kim. Hi. My name's Kim. My pronouns are she, her. Welcome to How to Be Queer. My name is Alex. My pronouns are they, them, there. Welcome back to our podcast. So we got some some interesting stuff for folks this week. We do. So the, the majority of what our podcast today is going to be is around something called compulsory heterosexuality, otherwise known as comp het, because it is too big a thing to say compulsory heterosexuality over and over and over again. So if you hear us talking about comp het, we're going to get into what it is, um, the basics, and why it's important to understand. So yeah. that's going to be the majority of what we talk about today. Mm-hmm. Um, but before we even get to that, thank you, Youth Scene, our amazing sponsor. Yep. Um, youth, S-E-E-N.org. Go check us out. Yeah. If you've been enjoying this podcast, like you need to go over and hit that donate button. Yeah. Cause that's how we're brought to you is because they support us and um, are just an amazing sponsor and help us work out a lot of ideas of what we want to talk about, have amazing conversations with them. And then we're able to get our brains together to bring those conversations to you folks. Mm -hmm. So you got to go over and thank them. Yes. Alex, how are you doing? I'm good. You're good. Yeah. Are you sure you're good? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We have a lot of, a lot of good things to talk about today. We do. We had, um, b- so we, we, before we get into like the, the, the comp hat thing, there is, um, something that I was hoping you would be willing to walk people through because you are not only a, um, a trans mask, transgender, non-binary human yourself. You are also the parent yeah. of a child, um, who is transgender. Yeah. And we've talked so much on this podcast about kids and sports. Yeah. I mean, we had Jeremy Iver on who was an amazing, you know, person for us and and how sports impacted him and being able to play. And then when he wasn't able to play, what happened to him? We've talked about all the different, you know, we talked about Caitlyn Jenner and how disastrous her whole stance is with trans kids in sports. And in some way, because our, our, our kids are, I mean, the 12 year old's pretty athletic. Mm-hmm. Um, but like all of our kids have been interested in different things, but we were, we have one child who is a 10 year old who was like, I want to play soccer. Mm-hmm. She's yeah. She's a fast runner. She is a fast runner. And what ended up happening when we tried to sign her up for soccer? Well, fast forward that um it ended it's it end, ends in a great place ended in a great place so i'll i'll start with that but it did not start so it did not start in a great place it did place. not start so great i think um yeah and it started where i had asked the league a question and um i mean i admit i kind of like poked them cuz i but in a in a kind way like hey hey what's how do y'all navigate this because this is our life and this is what we need to talk about so it went it got really messy before it got 
before it cleaned up. <laughs> so to give people some, some structure here, yes. Um, you went to sign up 12 year old girl for soccer, 10 year old girl, 10 year old girl. Well, I'm all sorry. Three of them are all already th- signed up. All three of them are already signed yeah. up, but it's specifically the, um, 10 year old girl, you go to sign her up for soccer. She's a girl, you go to put her on the girl's team and they ask for her birth certificate. Yes. Which is common within sports leagues because they want to verify the age of the child that is coming into the league. Yes. But one of the things that is also listed on birth certificates is your sex assigned to you at birth. Yes. And her sex assigned to her at birth on her birth certificate says what? Male. And here's where it starts to get messy yeah. and lack of a better word. And so I, if I'm, I'm going to summarize a little bit of what happened, but then if you would be willing to share the email that you sent to them, I think that would be super helpful for folks to know. Yeah. So Alex, of course, goes to sign up our 12 year old girl. They say, Hey, let me see the birth certificate. Birth certificate says mail. And they come back and say, well, she's got to play on the boys team. Yeah. And it's, let's just like pause everyone before Alex reads. Cause their email is really, really wonderful. The way that Alex broke this down for them. But I want everybody to just like pause and think about that. So this, this girl, this 10 year old girl who is known to everyone (laughs) in her existence is girl at school, her friends, her family. Um, she plays on a basketball team that is, is both, both all, all people accepted on teams. Um, she is a girl. Yeah. And all of a sudden she wants to play soccer and they say, oh, no, 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 no. You can't go play on the girls team. You've got to go play with the boys. Yeah. So I'm sure listeners, you can start to put together like this is not okay. What's happening? Yeah. So Alex, what do you do? Well, so when I got the email for the verification of, of everything, I, it was a flag for me. I was like, okay, so how is this, how are they, I was seeing five steps forward, you know, how is this going to be navigated? So I, I reached out and asked them, um, what are the conversations happening within and and yeah so within the soccer league. Within we the don't soccer necessarily league. want to say their name because we don't necessarily have like permission to blast this but then i guess it doesn't matter because it ended up where it was supposed to be yeah okay keep going um okay so i should just jump right into what i wrote yeah okay so i basically should i read the whole thing or yeah, should I- sure go for it okay so i said um hi there i'm a transgender and non-binary i'm transgender and non-binary i'm also a parent who uses they them pronouns. I have several concerns here. Should I talk about what they wrote back to me first? <laughs> okay, we already know this. I'm sorry. I'm trying to understand. Please will you will need to read this knowing I'm coming from a place of care, connection and compassion. As you say language is a learning process that comes with a with acknowledgement. But from what I'm reading here is that the current practice of enter soccer league <laughs> are protecting their own comfort detriment to the actual safety and protection of transgender and non-binary youth. So this is that they're sticking with their policy of whatever your birth certificate assigns your gender as that is the team that you play on. Yeah. Because they technically don't want to step into this world of having to create a policy around protection of trans kids being able to play with the gender that they actually identify with. Yeah. Okay. Keep going. So Frankly, and I, I go on, frankly, th- these ways of thinking and operating are transphobic. Yes. I dropped that word because that's what it is. <laughs> um, so I'm responding to the things that they wrote back to me. Their position on this is on this currently is that players must play in the league of their birth gender. So I say, what do you mean by birth gender? I'm going to assume that you mean assigned sex at birth, which is basically 
based on anatomy. Um, the second point was that they may only switch to their identified gender when medications have been started to transition. And I'm like, Ugh. okay, so I'm going to, I want to pause here for a second. So yep. when they told you, Hey, she has to play on the boys team. It's because she technically hasn't gone on medication yeah. to have her basically to like identify with, you know, physically with the gender that she is. And they tried to tell me that she would have basically have an advantage because of her biology. I'm like, oh, oh that's, that's what we're doing. So okay. these people clearly don't listen to our podcast no. where we debunk <laughs> all of the shit because yeah. you do not necessarily need to take anything mm -hmm. to, tra to, to transition. Yeah. That is, and you would not in any way give a 10 year old any type of medication, even if they wanted it, because their body, you know, you actually, you, you pause puberty, mm -hmm, right. Mm -hmm. Until a child is old enough to then start taking. And do we consider hormones medication? I know that the, the world outside of us does, they technically consider that to be the start of a medical transition. Uh, yeah. Medication. I, it's, it's, um, self-care. <laughs> it's self-care, right? Yeah. I'm sorry, I'm eating raspberries. But the other part that's like, just, I, I, I cannot, the, I, I know it's, it's a lot of information, folks, yeah. but also we're talking about a 10, 10 year old. Yeah. So child. And then, and, and this whole idea again, that depending on for trans girls, that somehow they think that the testosterone that would be in a 10 year old girl right? A 10 year old trans girl is somehow giving her a competitive edge. Yes. They even went on to say, this is very tricky in, sp in the sports world where birth gender differences can make a huge difference with biological advantages. I'm like, did you, do you that really is false? Yeah. I'm like, do you really want to say that to me right now? Like, like, because I'm going to call you out on, on your bullshit, which you did, which is amazing. I did. Going. I said, the studies done on transgender youth indicate there is zero advantage and not even transgender youth on a side note. It's just transgender people. There's zero advantage. And essentially it's used as an excuse to devalue and discriminate against transgender girls. There it is. In the situation for transgender girls, it is to be noted that testosterone has no effect on athletic performance. Are we still talking about children here? <laughs> I mean, I don't know about you, Alex, but I hear that there's tons of scouts that come to this soccer league, right? And they're scouting the, they're scouting, the kids. they're scouting all the fourth graders <laughs> looking for the Olympian <laughs> college scholarships, man. They start at age nine. You got to get in on this. You got to start filming your kid. You got to call the scouts to have them come out. I mean, don't mind that half the time it's like a parent they've pulled from the sidelines that has to rep these games. <laughs> But you know, we gotta be prepared yep. for that competitive edge. Yeah. Fuckers. So let me just read what I wrote back to them about um that they may only switch to their identified gender where medications have been started to, to a, a transition. Okay, so here's what I said. There's an important difference between gender, sex, and assigned sex at birth. So I basically give them a lesson. Gender is not something that we could 
that can be switched. Gender is an internal sense of self. Gender does not live between your legs. It lives between the ears. To say someone may only switch teams once they start medication is problematic and dangerous. So you mean to tell me that my 10-year-old daughter who is transgender, who presents as a girl, lives as a girl, legally changed her name to affirm her identity, must play with the 10-year-old boys because her birth certificate says male? Why are we still trying to out trans kids? She told us she was a girl when she could at five years old. What kind of position do you think that will put her in playing on the boys team? What do you think it does to her sense of self? It gives her the message that because she was born with a penis and assigned male at birth, that who she actually is, a girl who is transgender, is not validated or accepted. Also, saying that a transgender and or non-binary person must be on medications to surgically alter their body in order to be acknowledged is transphobic. And there it is. I want you to like, I mean, I, I get that like you would probably have to copy and paste that over and over and over and over again for all sorts of places to hear it. Yeah. And I know that most of our listeners are like, they get this, they, they follow us, they listen to us all the time, they hear us talk about this, but this is, this is our real life. Yeah. And, and, and I was, I had to like still hold, and she was like, oh my gosh, I have to f- forgive my, my ignorance. I'm like, I, I know this is, this is our life where we end up holding your hand because you think you're going to tell, tell the people who are living the experience how to navigate our life. You know, it, it, we can go down a rabbit hole here for like a minute, but sure. um, yes, they're absolutely the, the, number one, this is, and we're going to get to this, right. Where this is the, the straight narrative, right. The heterosexual cisgendered narrative that people live within. Yeah. And it's also your entitlement and your privilege that thinks I know the experiences of everyone else. So let me explain why we're doing an absolutely transphobic policy to a trans person thinking that I somehow know better. <laughs> I mean, you, folks like <laughs> I know. And so I want to just like name a couple things that you by no means are trying to shame this person. Oh no. Because we all know that like shame is not a good motivator for learning. Shame just makes us double down on our own ignorance. Yeah. And so you're in right now, a real life. People have heard me talk about this on here a lot. You are in a real life head, heart, hands healing, right? So your head right now is like, okay, I got to factually break some shit down for this person, which you do really well in that email. Like, let's talk about where gender lives. Let's talk about all these things. And then it's the empathetic. You got to feel this in your heart. You got to feel in your heart what it would be like for this 10 year old girl to basically have to go about playing with and you say it really well it just invalidates who she is Mm -hmm. you empathetically feel it in your heart now we're going to get to the hands right because the hands is where we go into action because you factually understand something you feel it empathetically in your heart your hands are going to go which is what alex is doing lady you got to fix this shit (laughs) so how does she fix it because she does she does so she writes back um and she's like okay so how can we do better? Thank you for, 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 for telling me. Um, and so basically she, we agree. She, she emails or calls the, she gets it into her hands she and she's like, I gotta hands. fix this. I gotta yeah. put, this is not okay. What we're doing. Yeah. And she does. She does. And, and yeah, she does. So within a day, and then she's like, yes, your daughter can be on the girls team. I know. I mean, we're kind of laughing because it's like, for like, really, we had to go through all this, but I do want to give it up to her that like, 
she didn't know something. She was going with a policy that she probably didn't create, but was told to follow. Yeah. The, the policy was incredibly transphobic, Yeah, but she opened her head, felt it in her heart. She put it in her hands. She basically probably went to that league and was like, yo, we are transphobic and fucked up and we got to fix that shit. <laughs> right. I got a hot one coming in and they are setting my ass on fire. How are we going to fix this? So I give it up to her like she did, but then it gives us, that fourth H, which we're always looking for, which is healing. Yeah. So the healing is that our 10 year old daughter is going to play on the girls team and just be like all the other little girls <laughs> running around where, you know what? And again, like 10 year olds playing soccer. Yeah. What a 10 year olds playing soccer look like. It's like beehive. <laughs> it's beehive soccer people. <laughs> this is not it's beehive soccer people it's beehive soccer people they're all chasing the same ball they're not in positions they're just starting to learn how to like pass and not like pick up the ball with their hands mm -hmm. still so it's just a really great example though of like when we talk about the things that we need to learn if you can apply those four h's right you can like we can make things really healing for people yeah so i got like hats off to you i kind of want to like frame that email Right? Like you totally hit that one. Yeah. I. Okay. Yep. Thank you. <laughs> oh man. You still have a hard time taking stuff in. I think I'm just, um, you wish you didn't have to. I'm in the process of like, I know that I can, I can come in hot and it's, it's a, it's a, um, for me to pull back and just obviously see like that empathy is a practice, right? And, yeah. and seeing how, how we're all, you know, we're all really trying to show up better. I mean, hopefully we, you know, you, yeah. So no, I get you because yeah. it, you know, you've got like a couple things competing with, with, with your brain right now, right. Yeah. Which is you are a person who identifies as transgender yourself. Yeah. So not only are you protecting like you're protecting your child from this transphobia, but it also has to land on you in some way. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, and then there's the whole mama thing. Yeah. Somebody is fucking with my kid and man, you want to see like perfectly rational <laughs> human beings be like, I will burn you to the ground. <laughs> right? like, that's what we do as moms. We come yeah. in and we're like, I will end you. <laughs> but again, like re recognizing that this was a learning opportunity for this league and nobody really, le nobody learns by being shamed into something. Right. Shame is not a motivator when we're talking about trying to have equitable practices. Yeah. Um, yeah. I say this a lot in training. Like it's not, it's not your fault that you were socialized in these systems. Yeah. That, that is not your fault. You can't do anything about that. Yeah. But once you see them or yeah. once you learn about them, you need to do something about it. And if you don't, then that is your fault. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because like, you know, the email, then I got back and, you know, she, the person was, was hurt that I said that, you know, that the soccer league was transphobic, was operating out of their own comfort. And I'm like, you know, it, don't, um, I, 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 I literally said to her, like, I understand. Um, and this is, you know, with respect and kindness it, there, you have no reason to take this personal. Like you're just, it's not that you're protecting, you know, um, I know that you're not trying to protect. It's not out of sheer malevolence. Like right. you're just, you're doing what you were doing. And, and I know it's not in intentional, but, but now, now I'm showing you this and, 
So yeah, and it it worked out fine. Yeah, I I I, I saw when you know she, she got a little hurt feelings, and to your point, you can apply this to like any type of learning that you have to do with a with a community with a person with something where their experienced has been othered. Yeah, right. Um, and they're showing you, and so I think a lot of us like her hurt feelings are really about her own shame. Right. right. That she didn't know this mm -hmm. more than likely. This is a person who probably thinks of themselves as an ally. They may even be within the LGBTQ community themselves, but they're just not that layer deeper of understanding all the experiences within the community. Yeah. And so usually like, so, so the other thing that, you know, sometimes people will get triggered is this is their, it's their fragility, whether mm -hmm. it's their, mm -hmm. you know, cisgendered fragility, their white fragility, it's, it's taking shame somewhere. And so I tell people that go through training with me, I'm like, you got to learn how to name this in your body because typically we, you know, you've taught me this a lot. Like you usually feel something in your body before the words and understanding mm -hmm. come to your brain. So like, I know when I'm feeling particularly fragile, like, oh shit, I don't know a lot about this. And now all of a sudden I'm being called transphobic or, Hey, your white ladiness is coming through or whatever it is. It's like, I feel it in my body before my brain can catch up. So some people it's like, oh man, my stomach, or for me, it's that my shoulders start to physically lodge themselves up <laughs> in my ears, right? Like you're like this, like super tense. Sorry, you can't see me, but, but so her coming back and being like, this hurt my feelings when you said I was mm -hmm. transphobic. Well, I mean, that's your own shame. That's your own. That's where you at. Yeah. You didn't know this. You were participating in a policy that is incredibly oppressive to trans people. Is it your fault? Well, you probably didn't know that you were. So how do you say, all right, I, I'm going to, I'm going to own it. Yep. I did not know this. I wasn't doing it. Like, as you're saying, like I wasn't doing it because some people do do this to actually cause harm, right? They're purposefully yeah. doing it. I don't think this woman was purposefully no. doing anything. Yeah. I think she was just unaware. Yeah. So when you come back and you're like, you hurt my feelings. It's like, you know, your feelings kind of fuck them right now. It's not really about you and your feelings. Yeah. It's about you learning something and saying, okay, I am now going to use my power and privilege to change it, which yeah. she did, which she did, which yep. she did. Yeah. So whoop, whoop. Yep. But really whoop, whoop, to you to being a, a mama bear ally. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, stepped in it with much. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. But it's hard when you're the mom, right? It is. Cause I was really like, as I stepped into it, like you just, because who I am as a person, like you want to be, you know, kind and, and respectful of this other person. Cause you, you know, so, but it's, but the mama bear, that amygdala in our brains, like, I will burn you. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, it's, you know, just super aware of both of those places. I know. I always say to you, like when someone is going after, you know, like I'm a, I'm a total Capricorn and Capricorns are, are known as being like ridiculously loyal people. Yeah. Like it takes a lot to get to the, to our gooey core. But when you, when you find yourself with a Capricorn and you're like, you know, and the Capricorns, like, I love you and you're my family. Mm -hmm. We don't really let go of you. Right. Yeah. <laughs> We're super loyal <laughs> to almost a fault. I even said to our neighbor, because I felt like somebody was like kind of fucking with them. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you understand. I, I love your family and I'm super loyal and y'all have been here. I will not only go and burn these people's house down to the ground. I will bring the sticks with the marshmallows on it. <laughs> when you said marshmallows, I was like, uh-huh, <laughs> she totally will. I totally will. And, and so I think that's partly, you know, and here I am like, Hey, I'm a, I'm a trainer and I do all these things, but man, I have to like check myself of, you know, I, I sometimes people, they really just don't know. 
Yeah. That's yeah. one of the things I love about you. You're very strong, loving. <laughs> hmm, it's good. Okay. Uh, was there anyway. anything else that we wanted to talk about before we get to Compet? Well, I think it's a great segue actually into, um, into Compet because this concept theory, whatever, or, or uh, um, pro- the way it works is really harmful to, um, I mean, the LGBTQ community, but gender. Yeah. Are you, are you, uh, I'm looking it, I'm looking it up again because there's, it's this, we're, we're taking, if you want to read more about this after the podcast, it's an article on LGBTQ nation and the author is Matthias Walsh. Um, he actually just, or they, I should say they, I don't actually know this person's gender, um, published this, uh, last week. And so this, you've heard us mention this before, um, on this podcast, because this is something, if if I'm understanding it correctly, it was first sort of coined back in the eighties. This woman wrote um, a paper and I'll get to her name in a minute. And then it's been up. It was updated again. It's not Lipschitz. (laughs) I, 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 okay. We got to go to the name right away because you know, it's something like bottom dropper or something like that. <laughs> um, um, who who wrote the article back in the in the 80s, Alex? Uh, feminist lesbian author Adrian Rich. Yeah, that's not as fun as Lipschitz. No. But whatever. Yeah, anyway, we can't yeah. all have a fun name. Um, but this was something you and I started talking about a while ago, and then it just happened that this this article popped up and some of the questions that they ask you in the very beginning, I'm going to ask our listeners right now, and then we'll kind of get into what it is. Yeah. Have you ever dated the opposite gender and realized that you weren't into them or you weren't, you just weren't in It's not that book. Like he's just not that into you. Were mm-hmm. you the person you're like, I'm just not that into them. Um, do you ever wish that your boyfriend was more like your female friends, <laughs> man, that's a big one that we could get into. <laughs> right. Um, why do you have a list of impossible standards for guys to meet before you'll even consider dating them? But the idea of being with them anyway makes you uncomfortable, yeah. right? Are you just picky or were you conditioned to interpret any kind of feeling towards men as attraction? If it's the latter, it is time to learn about compulsory heterosexuality. Compulsory. Compulsory. See, I can't say I we're going to have no, to say compet. Compet. Yeah. No, I was saying it to compulsory compulsory. Yeah. So, so, so it is known as we're going to use compet. It's a theory um, that heterosexuality is forced upon women by the patriarchy. It assumes that a woman is straight, prefers only men and caters to their desires. Heterosexual relationships are seen as universally desired with a pinnacle often being a cis man and a woman getting married. So this voice is it's the voice that tells women to look ultra feminine Mm -hmm. in order to date boys. It's the voice that says the nerves she feels when she talks to a guy, a romantic attraction, because they can't just be friends. It's thinking she'd like to go out or have sex with a woman, but still say she's straight. It's dating someone of the opposite gender, just to pass a straight um, by saying she's a boyfriend um, or seeing women and saying, well, gosh, that just feels wrong. Um, it conflates identity and behavior as one and the same when they aren't. And so why do we need to know about this? Alex, why do we need to know about this? Um, Because it's harmful to queer, trans, and non-binary folk. Um, It basically forces them to suppress their feelings to avoid discrimination, to adopt the safety of straight straight privilege. 
So I'm hoping that folks know what straight privilege is here. I'm, 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 I'm hoping that maybe we're not going to have to like link these things for people, but like, if I was going to say a short sentence I was on it, say, yeah, you, you drop would, a bit. Yeah. Like, so straight privilege, if you, if you're thinking about, you know, we've talked about this before, like the identity wheel of all the different things that have been historically centered as sort of like normal, right? So straight heterosexuality is one of those things. Mm -hmm. So if you are having a lived experience that falls outside of that power and privilege of heteronormal activity, you will face all sorts of different oppression that faces you because you're othered. You're not understood. You're different. This could be where you get the Bible verses of man must lay with women, which, oh my God, we could get into it. We, I still want to do that podcast out there of all the, it's the book of Leviticus. And so the book of Leviticus is the one that says that very specific thing that usually people that love to bring their Bibles to everything, they give you that one sentence. Okay. I can't even get into you the number of things that Leviticus says. Okay. And I'm like, oh shit. Like it, that's the only sentence you're paying attention because there's like 20 other sentences in that book that are anyway, that's a whole other thing, but to get back to it, it is if you are not within that circle of privilege and power of straight being the preferred desired mm -hmm. sort of normal quote unquote whatever that means you more than likely have a fate have faced some type of oppression from being queer or being seen as queer mm -hmm. so this could be anything from not getting hired for a job um not being seen as um you know sort of just other just different and then what happens is the people that are in that center of privilege and power because it is uncomfortable for them to understand you you tend to be excluded you tend to be pushed even further into the margins you tend not to be seen in media um your experiences tend not to be centered um and then sometimes it shows up in like when we went to go to a certain liquor store they would not sell it they would not sell yeah. to us um, you've got a cake maker in Colorado. They're not going to make you a cake. Um, so there's some protections that are put in. It is not in all States. Um, but there's some protections that, you know, can be put in for the protection of LGBTQ people, but it is not universally adopted. So what would it be called then? Like when we went to dinner and you yeah. sat down before I got there and the person said, um, well, do you want to tell everybody? Yeah. To talk about it. So there's been two examples recently that we had, um, within restaurants being, being a queer couple. So one of the experience was, you know, like, like most people, like I'm super fucking fussy about walking around in cold weather. <laughs> I'm a pain in Alex's ass. <laughs> I, I'm a pain in I'm a pain in your ass. And so a lot of times when we go someplace and you know, it's cold and we got to park far away. You are incredibly romantic and sweet. And you'd be like, baby, I'll drop you off at the front. <laughs> right? Yeah. That's what you do. Yeah. And so I go in and I'm like, hey, I'm, you know, Kim or Alex, we've got a reservation. They bring me to the table. I'm like, you know, and I sit down and the waiter comes over and is, oh, welcome to said restaurant. Um, is your husband going to join us? So that would be, so like, it's just that moment of where I have to look at this person and be like, well, my wife is joining us. And yes, I do call you wife, my, my wife that uses they, them pronouns. Mm -hmm. Um, and then he got really uncomfortable. Yeah. He's like, oh my God, I totally made an assumption. Yes, you did. Mm -hmm. So can we not the rest of the evening? Yeah. And he was like, yep, I'm on it. And then he proceeded to call us both ladies the rest of the night, but that's a whole other <laughs> podcast. So it shows up in ways like that, like where it's just assumed by looking at someone that this is what you are, which mm -hmm. none of us would like. Mm -hmm. None of us just want these assumptions made about ourselves. Mm -hmm. The second way it shows that it showed up, and this is all within the same week, folks. We were with a group of people um, out to dinner 
And, you know, at the end of the night, you're like, okay, well, you know, it's time to, to divvy up the checks or whatever. And we had been sitting, holding hands the entire time, sitting next to each other, you know, arms around the, the back of the chair, yeah. sharing, we share plates. A lot of times we split food yeah. like most couples do. <laughs> feeding each other food, feeding each other food, <laughs> staring lovingly into each other's <laughs> eyes, all the things. And our checks come. And a lot of times our checks are separated. So you might be thinking that that's not a big deal, but it is a big deal because if you look in that check, you get charged tax, you get taxed doubled. There's yeah. all these things that you get, you basically get overcharged for. Mm -hmm. And now you've got to come out to your fucking server again. Yep. <laughs> so it's, it's those types of things that they seem really subtle, but when they happen again and mm -hmm. again and again, this is a lot of times people will hear me talk about this. This is the death by thousand paper cuts. One paper cut, it doesn't seem like a big deal, but when you've had a thousand of those, or maybe you've had 10 in one day, those paper cuts start to really fucking hurt. Yeah. So there's lots of different ways that, that straight privilege shows up. These are just two in the last week mm -hmm. <laughs> that we experienced, but, but normally it is just this expectation that you are the gender that someone sees you as, um, without bothering to ask. It's the assumption. It's the assumption of straightness. Yeah. So, okay. Does that A answer the question of straightness or do, do we, do you put cisness in there too. Yeah. So okay. it's, it's just the assumption of what is in that center of power and privilege. Okay. So we, there was another store, uh, article that came out this week that was, was also saying, you know, within the LGBTQ community versus, you know, the, the population of the United States, they're saying that 7% of our population, um, identifies as LGBTQ. And a lot of people are like 7%, man, that seems really low. And I would just say that 7% that we're known. Re yeah. Right. That yeah. you might, you might absolutely identify as LGBTQ. And for whatever reason, you're like, I'm not fucking filling this out and identifying myself or, mm -hmm. or, 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 or for whatever reason that someone may choose to, um, not want to have that identity yeah. openly known, but 7%. So anyway. Um, and, and then real quick on a side note listeners. So I said, I said the word cisness, I, um, that would be spelled C I S ness. And, and that's from cisgender. Yeah. Okay. So, so going on from straight privilege though, the way comp hat affects women, but it, it, it impacts how women connect to their femininity and then to others to like them platonically or otherwise. So it frames a woman's existence through this patriarchal lens and by extension, hetero uh, normativity, it prevent, it can prevent queer people from embracing who they are. Yeah. Okay. So it's a little bit like. And I use this for myself because I think I am a really good example. And I know you are too mm -hmm. of compat, right? Like I was born into this body. Yep. I definitely, I'm a cisgendered woman, right? I identify with the body parts that everything lines up for me. Um, and what, because I think I just saw like femininity because I identified with being female mm -hmm. that I had to look feminine. Oh yeah. Right. This, this completely sucked me in, in middle school and high school. Yeah. Like right? I dropped all of my, what I could call tomboyishness mm -hmm. and became like uber feminine. Because that's what you thought was expected. That was what yeah. was expected of you. Yeah. It was expected that you were going to show up in this way. And yeah. so I think what's kind of cool sometimes is like now when I see kids, like I can see them dropping some of it a little bit, Yeah. but it's still definitely the norm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyway, to, to, to go back into, to to this is that 
it erases. So if you are, hey, this is the, and you could also attach this to men. It's just that men, the patriarchy chooses what feminine looks like and the patriarchy mm-hmm. chooses what masculinity looks like. Oh, That's why it's not yeah. the same. Yeah. Right. Because that, that the patriarchy is still the power source within the society that you and I live in. Yeah. So you can say, well, doesn't this affect men too? It does, but misogyny in the patriarchy impacts men and women, but they are still the ones calling the norm. So the patriarchy and men provide what the norm is for women. It's not the other way around. As much as sometimes I like men, men like to think it does. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. Men control that. The patriarchy okay. still controls what femininity looks like. Yeah. Okay. So hopefully that makes sense. So yep. what it ends up doing is it erases essentially you being able to, as a woman or somebody who identifies as female, but also even for folks that are non-binary, like for example, and this was, I kind of wanted you to talk about this a little yeah. bit because you could, you can still you can identify however the hell you want, but it is that compat theory that even for a non-binary person or a trans mask person, you are still playing into compat, mm-hmm. which is where people look at us as a couple and they're like, oh, one is more masculine and one is more feminine. Yeah. That is still a version of this yeah. because it's having us play into binary roles. Yep. How does that feel for you? You know, um, I, I don't, I guess it's just like aware, awareness. I, I, it just, I, I'm always, it's always like, I always feel it, feel it and try to like, um, the, the article talks about, you know, you, um, you push back on it. You have to like, um, lost my, um, just, just keep, questioning and checking in with herself because it's not how I know that I'm just, it's not me. It's, it's, it's it, like, I just look at us as like, I go, I go energetic of like, this is just you and me. Mm-hmm. We're not, you know, I don't want to play into these roles. Like I just want to love you and then be loved. Right. And so I guess the best is just, you just keep questioning and keep pushing back with you know, be like, this is not what's mine. What's what's not. Yeah. I I think what's really interesting for me being in a relationship with a, where both of us were impacted by compat and we still are right. And it is, it is operating in the system where it is legally and socially enforced. Right. Mm -hmm. And, 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 oh my goodness, talk about the ways that things are legally imposed on people that identify as female. There's all sorts of things, um, which we, we don't have the, the space to get into. Um, but if, even if you look at, in terms of like marriage, the way that marriage was set up, um, women married because it was necessary for them to survive. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it, I, folks are always shocked when we, they learn about this, but like a woman couldn't have a bank card or a bank account without a, a man tied to it, like well into the 1960s. Yeah. Like that is fucking crazy. Mm-hmm. So you think about how long these institutions have been in place and why it was so important for a generation of women to come out and say, yeah, no, mm-hmm. I, I'm going to go, I'm going to have a job. Um, why birth control was so incredibly important for women to have control over their own bodies, because we know that having children directly impacts sometimes your ability to go and have work. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, we're kind of going a little bit down a rabbit hole here, but it's, it is these systems that are all placing this narrative on you that as a woman, you must look feminine. Um, you must present in a certain way and that your goal is to, is to, to marry and to procreate children with a person that is male. Yeah. So one of the questions of why compet comes up so much as you hear, why are so many women in their forties coming out? <laughs> well, it's because of compet mm-hmm. you've been conditioned and socially constructed to think that even if you felt an attraction to a woman, a lot of times, even that is given to you through the gaze of the patriarchy. Yeah. Um, I'm going to just say like, go watch the friends episode where Rachel kissed a girl in college. And they turned the whole thing into a display for the dudes on that show. Yeah. That is compat. Yeah. Like seeing that where it is still seen through the eyes of the male gaze of what lesbianism is supposed to look like. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you like a really direct question because you are somebody who you turned 19 or how old were you when you were like, cut my fucking hair off? How old were you when that happened? I was like, I mean, I basically, um, 18, but I was holding out. I was waiting to leave high school. I felt a tremendous amount of pressure and I was so excited to get the fuck out and, and to just re I mean, what I call it like a reinvent myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But the reinvent yourself was really pushing back against, yeah. Against this, this quote unquote normal that people were trying to get you to be. Yeah. And you kind of went like, yeah, fuck no, I'm not going to do it. Yeah. And it was hard because you're, you know, when people don't understand it and, and you don't understand it yourself, you're, you're called all sorts of things like, you know, um, you're being selfish. And I'm like, I'm actually just trying to be me. Mm-hmm. And I know that none of you understand this and that's okay, but don't like call me selfish. And um, because you're playing into your, you know, there's so many layers here, but as far as like gender and presentation, like I, I had so much pre- from the world and then within my own you know, family, like to look a certain way. And I was just like, I'm just trying to figure this out. And so you end up kind of like, you know, and I think for, so like, we, especially within, um, you know, family systems, yeah, right. Like that pushback sometimes comes from, um, I don't necessarily understand this myself. So can you just fall in line with what everyone else does? Yeah. Like that's something I come like, why can't you just be like everybody else? Well, because I fucking can't. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so now I understand that I have a whole whole lot of compassion and and, and empathy for kind of how everybody's, you know, but yeah, that's. And so again, like, but when you were going through this, it was the nineties. Yes. Yeah. I, I, do you think it's really, I, I, I mean, I, I get that we talk about these things and we shine a light on them and we've definitely made progress, but sometimes it's hard to see because we live in our little bubble of, of LGBTQ, but then it's necessarily, I mean, we're at the same time though, we're seeing all of these, um, you know, the don't say gay law, mm-hmm. um, a lot of targeted, um, legislation against trans kids, which essentially is telling them, can you just not, can you just stick with compat, right? Can you just stick with this? Can you just be like everybody else? And you're, and you're called crazy Mm -hmm. that, and it gets manipulated and twisted on you. Like it was like, you know, coming out in sexuality, starting to change. I mean, for my, 
journey, you know, changing my appearance and I wanted to cut my hair off and the person that cut my hair for years wouldn't do it. She's like, you're going to regret it. And I'm like, no, 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 I really want you to cut, like cut all my hair off. And um, I forgot where I was going with that, but basically like everyone well, her normativity her, was showing no, up. Normativity was showing up, yeah. Saying, I'm not going to do this to you because I don't think it's right for you. Or I think you are going to get this. Okay, Trixie, the, the <laughs> squirrel is in the backyard and Captain Underbite's hot on the case. <laughs> Sorry, folks. It, yeah. So what do you think, like, so for, like, you probably more than anybody else I, I that is in my life, well, you and bro friend, yeah. you guys both gave, like, the comp het world giant middle fingers, <laughs> and we're like, yeah, I'm out. Yeah. So how does it feel now to be living, because I guess I, I don't include myself in that because I physically show up in a way with a lot of normativity to what women are supposed to look like. Mm -hmm. um, so that's why I kind of removed myself from that, where you really did give like the middle finger to this concept. Like how, how does it feel now being 40 some years old and kind of sitting here like, yeah, I don't live within the, the normativity that was pushed on me. How does it feel today? I think now that I know what it is, now that I know that I just, there's these expect, like the society, the world has these expectations and that I've built enough resilience to be like, I'm, I'm not going to be that. And so it's really just the awareness of like, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm, I'm going to just, I guess that's what it comes down to. It's so much, it, it helps just knowing, knowing. Yeah. Knowing that that's actually you're in the system that I will spend the rest of my life probably every day um, questioning and challenging this this system that's going to inherently by nature sh shove me back into cishet world and I'm like yeah no I'm I'm not I'm I'm just not and that's not me being selfish at all it's just me I want you to be you and I'm going to be me and and this the place where I live is I'm trying to actually live outside of all of this, right? All of these systems that try to make us into, 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 we're just humanness, like bringing it all back to just, we're just humans. Well, and I think for our allies that listen, you know, flip it on yourself, right? Yeah. Flip it on. If we came in and said, no, you have to, you have to live as a different gender than what you identify. Um, you have to start having, uh, you know, relations or marriage with a person that it doesn't feel right. Like sometimes I think for people to empathetically get to that, you just have to picture what would it feel like for you? Mm -hmm. And then you can understand, like, it's not something you can't shove people into something that makes it comfortable for you. You have to allow people the space. And if that makes you uncomfortable, you got to give yourself a good hard look in the mirror and ask why. Yeah. Why does this person living their truth that may fit out of what you think is quote unquote normal? Why does it impact you? Why yeah. is it making you uncomfortable? Yeah. I think it makes me think of, you know, cis straight men who enjoy lesbians. Mm -hmm. So why do some of them get so basically angry mm -hmm. when a gay man hits on them? Right. Like if you're, you, you know, no, you can't do that because yeah, you can't love lesbians and hate gay men. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like that, you got to fucking check yourself big time. Well, and let's go a layer deeper with this about men that really love lesbians or they're like, oh, I would love for my wife to have a threesome. Okay. I would ask those men, close your eyes and tell me what those women look like in your head. Are they 
falling into a certain type of femininity with each other? Mm -hmm. Or are there all sorts of different parts of lesbianism and and the way that that can show up physically being represented? So that's like that again, when we're talking about compet, that is a part of this, right? Is that the patriarchy Mm -hmm. is defining what lesbianism should look like. Yeah. Lesbian, it gets to look like whatever the fuck it wants. (laughs) It gets to look like you and I, where we do take on very different physical forms and physical energy and the way that we define ourselves. But the way, I mean, I cannot get, I cannot get past this. Sometimes when you think of like, think of the movie, wild things, remember that movie from the nineties with Nev Campbell and Denise Richards and Matt Dillon and the entire movie there is so many scenes that are focused on this cis heterosexual dude in this situation with these two young, very attractive, but very feminine representing girls. And he just gets to be a part of it. And you go back, especially to that period of time in media. And there's like hundreds of examples of the way that being a lesbian, which is still in this comp head, Mm -hmm. it's still having lesbians show up in a way that is somehow about the sexual act that's allowing a cis het man in Mm -hmm. and determining, well, this type of lesbian is okay. They're both pretty, they're both feminine, and I'm somehow a part of it. And that's what made it okay. Mm -hmm. And in truth, that's not actually what being a lesbian is about. Yeah. Being, and you always say this when people are like, well, which one of you is the man? And you always say, neither. That's the point. Yeah. You actually don't get to come into the space and define what it is. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's a, we can, we can obviously talk about that patriarchal stamp down of, of, of women um, and how they identify, but, but with compet, if you're interested in learning more about this, there is a bunch of questions to kind of ask, yes. do you want to take people through what the questions were? Sure. Um, okay. Here's the quiz. Is that guy hot because I want him or because I'm supposed to think he's hot? I think from, for, for me, I can see men and say, they're attractive, mm-hmm. right? Like Zach Efron is universally attractive, right? Mm-hmm. But do I want to be with him? No, I do not. Yes. I think back to years ago and being like, oh, you're a cute boy. Yeah. And not being able to separate, just being like, you're cute versus I don't want to. I don't, but I don't want to do things with your body. I remember one of my first like crushes on a man was Dylan McKay from 90210. Uh-huh. I fucking love Dylan McKay. Yeah. And I was like, I, I was, I was really pissed at first when he broke up with Brenda to be with Kelly. But then in the long run, I was like, yeah, no, Brenda sucks. <laughs> <laughs> she did. She like really did suck. And then she goes to college and she becomes animal rights now. Like she's a fucking hot mess when she goes to college. <laughs> but Dylan McKay was like one of the first. And I was like, I really no. Granted, he he is is a certain like he is I, to me. Dylan McKay is very androgynous looking. His style, while it was masculine presenting, like I've seen some people that maybe identify as female and they look like fucking Dylan McKay, right? Yeah, I think I had the the biggest quote unquote crush on Dylan because I was like, oh, I think I want to look like you. Yeah, but he was, was like also his- the most least. Sorry, he was the most um the least emotionally available. <laughs> Oh my God, Alice, what does that say? Oh, I love you, sweetie. So noted. 
but I, I, but when I go back and I think about it, did I, did I just think like, wow, he's so cool. And he's got this really cool energy mm-hmm. and he's like, you know, emotionally unavailable and mysterious and like all that, or did I really actually imagine myself doing things with him? Yeah. I think it's, it's a good example of like, basically what comp head makes you do is um, let me take this pool of, of men because I'm, I'm taught that that's the only option for me. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to, to, to take the, the most, um, whatever qualities or characteristics that I find attractive and find that in this population of people that I actually don't want to really be romantically or sexually with, but these totally. are my only options. And so therefore, and so like, yeah, I mean, I can basically th- think back to the men I dated mm-hmm. and I'm like, uh-huh. Yeah. That makes total sense. It makes a lot of sense to me too, that, yeah. that I've never been, I mean, just like, I'm not attracted to, to, to all women. You're not yeah. attracted to all men. You're just attracted to what you're attracted to. Yeah. But to your point, I thought, well, I have to be with men. Uh-huh. Right. So if I'm going to be with men and I look back of the men that I was like, uh, yeah, like I'm, a, I'm, I'm a, they're, they're, you know, beautiful. Right. Mm-hmm. They all definitely were more like, I never was attracted to, um, you know, like big brawling, like hair, hairy, like bigger, like football-y kind of guys. Mm-hmm. If I was dating somebody on the football team, it was like the quarterback, right. <laughs> with like this nice, you know, long lean kind of, it could be athletic, but definitely not like a big burly guy. Yeah. I was never attracted to that. Yeah. I also think that attraction kind of like plays with you a little bit. And that if you are, are playing into comp hat and you're like, okay, I have to pick from this gender pool. Mm-hmm. So as you're saying, let me pick without maybe knowing it as close to that line as I can. Attraction for me also works in the way of it really does become like, and in, in this like world of pansexuality, it is the person, it is the energy. Yeah. Right. So, and then for me, like body parts are, you know, they're body parts. It's about that energetic thing that you, f- you feel with someone. Yeah. But definitely like I was, you got to pick from this pool of people, all those people kind of look the same, right? Yeah. They're all like as far as I could, or as close as I could get probably to show, someone showing up as identifying as female as I could. Yeah. So I'll share this. This is the interesting um, uh, situation where like within the fitness world, when I was, when I was playing straight, where people, I remember having a couple conversations with people where like, you know, oh, your boyfriend, blah, blah, blah. He probably looks like people thought I was, I would be with this big, like muscly, like macho dude, macho dude. And Mm -hmm. I would laugh because I'm like, in my head, I'm like, oh my God, why would you think that? And then it's almost like, because if I was already masculine, then therefore I would have to have someone who was more masculine than me. Who is actually more masculine than you? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, because then it's like, yeah, because, you know, if, if, that's a whole other thing. That's a whole other thing. Uh, yeah. But anyway. But just very interesting how compet plays into all of this. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What's our next question? Okay. Do I want to date that boy because he likes me? Oh. And I like being liked. Or do I actually like him? So I'm going to say with this <gasps> one, I absolutely fell into that. Me too. Look at how the, the, this boy is treating you and he likes you. And, mm-hmm. and here's the thing with a 12-year-old. Yeah. We talk about this a lot. Yeah. 
because she'll be like, oh, um, this boy likes me. And he like asked me and then like, let's, let's like break it down. Like seventh grade, like it's, it's one, it's, it's that note that we used to send. Do you like me? Check, Check this, this box. box. Right. It's just <laughs> digital now. Yeah. <laughs> it's just text message now. Same thing. I'm like, well, what does going out with his liking? And it's like, oh, they group hang and it's mm-hmm. whatever. But we've started, I've started having conversations with her when she'll be like, well, this boy really likes me and he's paying all this attention to me. And okay, patriarchy, this is how compat shows up, mm-hmm. right? She is thinking, but he's, he's paying attention to me and he's being nice. And he bought me these things for Valentine's day. And does that mean that I like, and I'm like, what do you like about him? Mm-hmm. And if it ever is like, well, he did this for me. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. What do you like about him? Mm-hmm. And I make her sit there and, and like, think about it. Like, what is it that you like about him? Yeah. And it's definitely been like some really interesting conversations between, and don't get me wrong. I do this with the, the fifth, like I do this with all the kids, yeah. but in particular, because she is the most right now at this phase of life, she is the child that is most impacted by this. Yeah. I have that conversation with her. Tell me what you actually like about him. Yeah. And sometimes she'll get there. She'll be like, you know, he's really smart. I like the way he shows up at school. Yeah. He's, he's serious about his studies. These are things that matter to her. Yeah. So anyway, that's, but did you, I've definitely felt like, well, this boy shows up and he likes you. So you better like him back. What? Oh yeah. Why? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. There's, there's too much to even start with. Yeah. All right. How else have we fell victim to this bullshit? I'm eating grapes, by the way. I hope people can't hear me munching on them. Um, next question. Do I lose interest in a guy the second he's interested in me? <laughs> okay. That was a big one for me. Mm. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. I could lose interest really quickly. Okay. Why do you think that's a question on here? Um, more about the, can I, it's, it's like a validation. Can I participate in this system? Yeah. Yeah. That's what I think too. Yeah. It was somehow like, yeah, okay. I can get the guy, but then like, yeah, Mm. yeah, Yeah. I would lose interest right away. Okay. (laughs) Um, does the idea of being physically intimate with a man freak me out? <laughs> oh Kim, you just see Kim's face right now. You answer first. <laughs> um well now I guess. Well, I'm still eating grapes. <laughs> Highly produced podcast. They're crunchy. <laughs> They're really good. Grapes are one of those things too. Like, I don't know. We don't have them that often. Mm-hmm. They're really yummy. Okay. So Alex, how does it feel when you think about being with a man? Well, okay. So we've talked a little bit about sex on this, well, a lot about sex on this podcast, but just that idea of like, you know, all the things that go into being, being with a man versus being penetrated. Right. So I'm just going to name that like with the batteries ran out and the last that always sucks when that happens. (laughs) (laughs) You're such a perp. But the last word you said was penetrated. Yeah. When we were talking about, so if, if yeah, the, um, the question, 
physically intimate does it does it does it freak me out yeah and you were saying well there's there's man and there's being penetrated I yeah think there is was, where you were going yeah so. there was a long time where i i couldn't differentiate because uh between um do i want to be with a man or do i want to do i just I mean, want your body to have a certain experience. Want me to buy by have a certain experience, and and it was compet made that very hard to distinguish. So I, I, this is one for me. That's man, we could. How long can our podcast be today? We could just go. we could we could talk about this a lot. Really, oh yeah, right. So like, do, do do you do you really? When I think about being physically intimate with a man, does it freak me out? Yes, it yeah. does. Yeah. But that's such a simplistic way of looking at this because yeah. there might be a lot of reasons why it would freak me out to be with a man. So the way that Compet showed up with me, and this is, I'm going to share something super vulnerable. So tomorrow when I have like a vulnerability hangover, you're going you're gonna to you. You're gonna have to pick up the pieces with me. Okay. I remember having a lot of experiences younger in life. And I want to say like late teens, early twenties, when I started having sex and I was having sex with men and I would cry a lot. And I remember always feeling, and I've shared this with you before, Alex, this is something you and I've talked about that when I would, oh my God, I hope my parents don't listen to this, but when I would, you know, you physically be under someone, mm -hmm. I would be under a man because, you know, you're having missionary sort of sex because you're young. And I don't know, I didn't, I really did not know a lot about sex. I didn't mm -hmm. understand the mechanics of it. Um, I didn't know, um, what orgasms felt like, like I was, I was definitely, um, confused is the word I would use. And all I had as far as information to go on was a very heterosexual missionary. This is the way women are supposed to show up. This is the way men are supposed to show up. Yeah. And I actually feel really badly for a lot of people that a lot of men that I, I had sex with at this time, because they're thinking, you know, she's sending me these messages that this is, this is what she wants. But then when it's happening, she's kind of freezing and starting to cry. And the only thing I could kept coming back to is why do I feel like I'm being, um, uh, like, like I felt trapped. Yeah. I felt really, really trapped. And then sometimes it would be under the weight of this person that I would feel trapped. And believe me, this was completely consensual. These men did absolutely nothing wrong. This was all me mm -hmm. and I would cry. I, and, and then I would eventually like lose interest and break up with them because I knew that something wasn't right. Mm -hmm. And so everything leading up to it, you know, the, the flirting and the dating and the, but we would get to that point and I would inevitably flee the relationship yeah. because I knew that something was really wrong. And the only thing I can come up with it with today is that I think I genuinely really liked these people. I had a, for the most part with a couple aren't people that, you know, we all kind of go through and you're like, what the fuck was I thinking for, you know, almost every person that I would be in these intimate settings with, they're good, good guys. Yeah. Great men. Mm -hmm. Um, really kind to me showed up in really wonderful ways with the exception of maybe like one or two that were total fucking assholes. But for the most part, I had really good experiences and I would still be laying underneath them thinking I should feel differently than I do. And I couldn't name it. Yeah. That was how comp het showed up for me. Yeah. Kim, you are supposed to, you are a super feminine, high femme looking woman. These guys like you, they're treating you in this wonderful way, you know, strumming songs on their guitar for you. You're so beautiful. You're so smart. All the things that these young men they're wonderful. Yeah. But you would put me in a super intimate position with them and I would fucking fall apart. And I had no idea why.
And it plagued me for like, I mean, it still does today. I still feel super vulnerable sharing and going back to that feeling of having like a man's chest, like laying on top of me. And it can almost set me into like a fucking tailspin panic because I don't want to be back in that space. Now for people that are like, but you were married to a man for years. Yeah, I was. And I did not feel that way with him. I never felt that way with him. This is the father of my children. Never felt that way. So energetically, I think why it was so different with him when he and I um, met, we did meet under circumstances of being friends and our relationship was set up that way. We actually lived like 4,000 miles apart and I got to know him so deeply as a human and he is a phenomenal human. It didn't show up that way for me, right? right. He's like the one man that I think I would have obviously had sex with and I never like laid underneath him and cried or never even felt like I needed to because I truly think I loved him. Yeah. I think, I mean, I still do. Yeah. It's just a different way. Yeah. And that also really confused me. Mm. Right. Because how can you be a lesbian, but you're, you're all right here when you're doing it. Now, granted, we didn't do it very often <laughs> because both of us, I think we're like, God, I really love you as a person. Why isn't this yeah. working? working. <laughs> yeah. And then I think you can go to like, does that make me more pansexual than it does a lesbian? I don't know. Yeah. Maybe. But most of like when I, even when I read that question, like my hands are shaking. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing all of that with us. Oh my gosh. Yeah. But that's how, like, do do you, do you feel, what does it feel like to be physically intimate with a man? Like it sets me back to my 19 year old self where I literally would just lay there and cry because I knew something wasn't right. And I had no idea what it was. Yeah. Just, yeah. Vulnerability. Yeah. Bubble, pop. <laughs> I'm gonna hold your hand real quick. I'm gonna keep going back to my grapes. Okay. <laughs> um okay, next question. Do I have a caring male partner and still feel unhappy with him but can't figure out why? Yeah. I think we just talked about that. But you answer it. Did you ever have that experience? Or did you always know like what was going on? My Oh, my, my experience was, um, more later because I had, I dealt with, um, not understanding. I think I understood my, my sexuality, but I kept trying to shelf it. Right. And then, but then also trying to understand and feeling really confused and foggy about my gender, not having any language around that. And so, um, and then being with someone who did not respect me as a human. Yeah. Um, so there was like, you know, domestic um, abuse, you know, layers there as well. So I was buried under a lot of stuff. Not just a hairy chest. <laughs> not just, well, the, and he didn't have a hairy chest, but um, <laughs> there was um, a lot of misogyny and mm-hmm. um, manipulation and gaslighting. Yeah. I mean, when, when we talk, uh, we, we touch on, I think the situation that you were in, in a previous relationship, and sometimes we kind of dance around it a little bit. Yeah, because, we do. Well, and I, I think there's reasons to be a little bit protective of it because, um, just where we are in life right now with it. Yeah. And I think, I think it's also, I just want to say like the whole system, the abusive system, it makes you not want to talk about it. Yeah. And, and makes you dance around it. And because you get pressure from that person who's either 
energetically or verbally or physically um, intimidating you on purpose to make you stay silent. Right. Um, or your experience is so um, there's so much there that you you're you're trying to you're you're coming out of it, but you're it can just be hard to talk about just because it's hard to name. Mm hmm. Yeah. Do you ever, I'm going to take us on like, just like a little bit of a, and this can be like a yes or no question, but do you think you also partly don't talk about it in protection of your children? Um, yes, I, I toe in and toe out because yeah. I'll never sugarcoat. I never want to gaslight them and, and tell them that everything was fine because it wasn't. And so how do you, as a parent, um, acknowledge them like, Hey, this, this was not okay. Right. How this, what, what you were born into was an abusive system. Also, this is your other, um, you know, they can't, they're, they're emotionally like they, they're children. So I guess I just, I'm even kind of stumbling over my own words because it's a constant struggle and, and mindfulness of like, I want to always tell the truth. Yeah. I always want to do it kindly and respectfully. Um, and, um, also give them, give them some space. I would imagine, I, I, I and I've heard you talk to your kids about it, but the, the not gaslighting your kids, that's the one that I think is so important. And we're off on a little bit of a tangent, just come with those listeners, <laughs> but your children witness a certain amount of interaction and did very early. I mean, they have not lived, you guys have not, uh, you know, you've been separated from this person, divorced from this person for a long, long time at this yeah. point. So they were very, very little, but they, they still see it because you have to co-parent. Yeah. And especially once we left the house, like them being like, why is Dad, why is dad doing this? Why is dad doing this? And so you can't gaslight them like everything's fine. It's not fine. It's not fucking fine. Like, so how do you talk about that with them? Yeah. I mean, and more than, and, and we actually know that the, can I, can I say? Sure. So, I mean, we're talking about this and we know that he stalks this podcast and he listens to it, uh -huh. um, to try to intimidate and catch you into not saying and speaking the truth of what life was like. Yeah. So, and he, and, and stocks social media and it yeah. gathers, gathers information to use against me. So I'm going to, I'm going to name one of the things that there's a lot of things we could name that have gone on, but in particular with the fact that we do this podcast mm -hmm. um, and that you have um, some, you know, thousands and that like what, like 20 some thousand followers on your other social apps. Oh yeah. With TikTok, with TikTok and with all the things. And you talk outside of this podcast, you talk a lot about healing, mm -hmm. um, what it was like escaping a domestic abuse situation. And we know that he stalks that too. And he sent us a 28 page document Yes. of all of the things that are on your social media, including if I ever, especially in your TikToks, if I'm ever in them, which sometimes most of the time I am not, Yeah. I'm not a big social media person and that's no like yuck in somebody's yum. I think I just, I don't know. I think I'm that a, a bit of like Gen X where I'm like, what the fuck is this? And you're a little bit younger than me and you have more of a comfort with it than I do. Yeah. You also use it for good. Yeah. I really want to use it for good. You use it for good. Yeah. You're not doing it to be like, look at me. You're doing it to be like, you talk about some shit that I'm like, God damn, Alex, you're fucking brave as shit. The stuff that you put out there and it's so needed, but he would document if 
we've been married. We have lived together. We have been an out couple for years, years. <laughs> years. And sometimes when I would be in your social media and I would walk past you and give you a kiss on the cheek, he would document this and say, and send it and saying, basically like Kim walked into, um, you know, TikTok video at 35 seconds and kissed Alex on the cheek that's inappropriate for the children to see or something like that. Yeah. And it's so, so that is the level of like control gaslighting and abuse Yeah, down to like, cause he was trying to control every single thing that you did mm -hmm. that would be you essentially stepping out of this comp het world. Yeah. And it was shame and control and shame and control. And he still, I hope you're listening, motherfucker. Yep. He still tries to do it today. Yeah. So you can keep listening. We're just going to keep doing our podcast. Well, yeah. And, and it's, you know, on the, on, at some point on, on your, in your journey of healing, like, you know, you, you have apathy and you have compassion because now I understand um, I understand that like I'm outside the abusive system enough to be able to see it right. and, and have compassion. And this is just so crazy, but just the way, um, the way it works where you can see then where he's coming from. doesn't mean it's okay. No, but I'm, but I'm, you know, like the abusive system that he was born into and right. that, that his parents were born into and no one, no one has or had said, Hey, the way I'm treated is fucked up. And I was the first person to do, to do that. And if you are the person who says this is fucked up, you fucking better watch out. Yeah. That's how the system works. It tries to get you back in line. It's going to try to pull you back in line. And I'm like, yeah, no, once again, no. That's why you are motherfucking badass. <sighs> and my kids deserve better. They do. Yep. And we have better. We do. Yeah. I mean, that's part of the, the healing. If we want to get into like healing again. So your comp hat was basically not only show up as a straight woman. I know it's so, I know it's so funny to even look at you and say that a straight woman and your comp hat was being controlled by a misogynistic patriarchal control freak. Yep. That's the nicest way I can say it. Yeah. <laughs> So you had to break out of compet in multiple ways. Yeah. Yeah. But here you are. I mean, it got to the point where I was like, I would rather live in a cardboard box in the street than live in this house with you. Yeah. That's really, that's the point that I got to. Yeah. And so I think for like listeners, like if you're hearing us say that and like you hear Alex say, like, I would rather live in like a cardboard box. I, you did not have to live in a cardboard well, box, right, of but, course. For, but no, but like, for yeah. some, but like, seriously though, like, I understand, like for some women, it's like, this is a real thing that you faced Yeah. because he, you know, he had controlled so many aspects of your life. I mean, down to like, we're not going to put our kids in preschool, which I'm sorry, but being able to provide early education for your child or daycare for your child is the way that women go out and fucking work yep. and make money and sustainability for themselves. Mm -hmm. So we know this about domestic abuse patterns that men will do things to control that abuse and to keep their, their partner or their wife basically at home with no access to being able to sustain themselves. Yeah. And for those women that are listening, if you're in that situation, you send me and Alex an email and we will fucking get you set up. Yep. Like there is, I know that you might feel alone and that there's no way out of it, but let some, let someone know. Yeah. Tell, tell someone, tell someone, tell someone, 
Yeah. I, I remember that, that uh, you know, we don't have to go into a lot of details, um, but just that moment where you have like kind of, kind of like moments that you really, really remember, you know, super clearly. And me saying to him, like, it sounds like you want to keep me barefoot and pregnant in the, in the kitchen. And I laughed and expecting him to be, you know, and he was like, well, yeah. And I'm like, oh my God. Oh my God. I am not a human to you. You don't value me at all. Right. As a mother, as a person, nothing. I am a thing to you. Yeah. Fuck you. Comp did a number on you, but my God, did you ever like come out and bust out of that? <laughs> For the third time on the, po- on the podcast. <laughs> Is this when I see you like upstairs in our bathroom dancing in front of our mirror and you do this like body wiggle thing Is like in your head? Are you like, I'm a motherfucking badass? <laughs> I think, and I mean, like a little bit like, yeah, <laughs> just celebrating that little moments of joy. Yeah, but the message being, um, you can bust out. You can. Oh yeah. You can. Yeah. You can. Okay, okay. What's our next question? Do I just enjoy the idea of being with a man? I think at some point, yes, for sure. That was I. That I. Tell me more about that. Well, I think it connects to because you're because Compet teaches you that it you're being with a man is is base, is survival. Hmm. So that's how I'm taking that. Um, I didn't really know that I wanted to be with a man, but I enjoyed the, and, or maybe it was that I, I, I wanted to be with someone. Yeah. So I was, was kind of going to go in the same place. Like, do I, do I just enjoy the idea of being with a man? Here's what I enjoy the idea of being. I like the idea of being desired. Mm-hmm. And because desired was set up for me with such heteronormativity, it was men. Yeah. I enjoy being desired in a respectful way by men who, but it, it's now as where I am today, of course, I enjoy being the idea of being desired. Right. Um, do I, and, and so it was, it was very confusing for me when I was young, right. Because men desired me and did that feel good? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then I would think, well, then I should enjoy the act of being with a man. No. So that's where I think for, for your little queer babies, oop, that was, that didn't sound good beep, beep. for our little queer babies. When they're trying to come out, it's all of these layers of things that get intersected. Mm-hmm. So you can be like, wow, like this, this, this person desires me and wants to be with me. And wow, that feels really good. But then you end up in a physical situation. You're like, and this doesn't. Yeah. Hence why they're asking the question, did you end up leaving really quickly the relationships after this happened? So that was, I mean, this is like me to a T when I started reading about this, I'm like, my whole life makes sense. <laughs> it's probably like how, when you got the words non-binary and you were like, Oh, <laughs> this, this is me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, all of these things were just really confused me. Do I enjoy the idea of being with a man? Well, no, because now I understand that desire is different right? It's, uh, it's desire is mutual, right? It's not just about me being desired. And a lot of times we put women in that situation, right? Like, oh, you're supposed to desire this man because he desires you, right? Which goes back to us asking the 12 year old, what is it that you actually like about this boy? That's liking you. Yeah. Um, it's okay to like feeling desired, but it should be mutual. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think that's a little bit, at least with my mind, where I go with on that one. Yeah. And then did you ever want to get married to a man? Yeah, of course. I didn't yeah. realize that there was anything else. Yep. 
and I actually enjoyed being married to the person I was married to. We didn't, we had a really uh, enjoyable relationship. Yeah. yeah. It was good. Yeah. We still have a great relationship today. Yeah. You, did you enjoy being married? <laughs> I, I think, you know, we spoke about this last week in the car where um, it's not that he, that I, that it's having difficulty talk about talking about it because, you know, it was hard or, you know, so horrible. Like the, like the entire time was, it was, it's, it's like, in, in my experience that the person you're everything was built on a, on a lie. And, um, so it was like this life, it existed, but it really wasn't like the truth. Mm-hmm. And then when you start telling the truth, you're like, yeah, I'm telling the truth. And then, and then what happens after that? So, um, but I guess going back, you know, yeah. Like when I was a little kid and, and a teenager and, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to find, but I hated, I didn't, I always remember how the words husband came out of my mouth and I was like, I don't, why does this not quite feel right? (laughs) Because I don't, I'm like making hand gestures right now, listeners of like the word coming out of my mouth. Um, so I, I thought I did, but anyway. How does it feel to say wife now that you have a wife? I fucking love it. You wife. Do. This is my wife. Wife. Did you see my wife? <laughs> Married to a w- woman. Wife. <laughs> Holding on to you in at bed at nighttime. This is my wife. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I, I, so, you know, language is one of those things that like really matters, you know? Yeah. You're giving me the schmoop space. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> You're all schmoopy. <laughs> I love you too. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god our listeners are probably like get a fucking room anyway um love is love love is love um but language being really important because i felt the same i feel the same way about the word wife that you do yeah because wife to me is you know like i i, I, I have a wife right because mm-hmm. it reflects back who i am mm-hmm. and this is such a, a this was like one of the i mean you and i have like amazing wonderful long conversations all the time we just somehow decided to put a microphone on and start sharing them with people. Um, but one of the long, 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 long conversations we would have is we want to be married to each other, right? What am I going to call you? Yeah. Because wife being so seeped in femininity and that is not you, but I wasn't, I I was like, what I I could say spouse, but that feels very Mm -hmm. technical. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, partner. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I have work partners, you know, you have business partners. Um, your friends are like your partners sometimes in a lot of things, your community members. So I'm like, that doesn't capture the intimacy of like what it actually is. Yeah. And so how many times, I mean, how long do you think we talked about what, I, what, what label I should put on you? I, I, I was just going to say, I think we spent several hours, you know, off and on over like a year, over a long time. Um, kind of, you know, deconstructing it. Yeah. So now I tell people, this is my wife. They use pronouns, they, them. Mm-hmm. And then some people are like, okay, cool. And other people are like, mom, <laughs> Alice, <laughs> your name, Alice. <laughs> so should we share that story? <laughs> sure. <So laughs> Recently, <laughs> we, um, 
had, uh, we were hosting something for the community in our house. And when I say community, I mean like our geographic community, not our LGBTQ community. Mm -hmm. Okay. So our geographic community is in our house and we're coming together to talk about something that's happening in our community. So it's, it's all sorts of different people that are coming in some really not a lot of members of the LGBTQ community, but a lot of allies. And, um, it was people that we may not have known. It was like Mm -hmm. the first time that we met them. Yeah. So an older couple, I would say probably like seventies, maybe oh, yeah. yeah 70s it comes and um they come up to me first and so i get it people do a visual check of me and they put me automatically in hetero world yeah she didn't look gay right <laughs> because in their mind like maybe lesbians don't look like me yeah okay and then i'm like oh well that's my that's my you know hi i'm kim w- welcome to our home um this is my my wife alex and he was like did you say Alice? Alice, Alice, it's nice to meet you, Alice. I'm like, no, no, no. Alex, they use pronouns, they, them. Okay, Alice. <laughs> and then you have to ask yourself, is this, is this the time where you're just like, okay, I'm oh, just yeah. gonna, yeah. We just were like, um, okay. But he, I will say for this, this particular person that thought you were Alice, yeah. Um, he, over the course of the evening, figured out, oh, they're gay. <laughs> took him a little bit, but he was so funny because then he came up to me at the end of the night and he was like, you know, the people that live behind us, it's these two nice women and they got this really cute little girl. And I told them they should join the, the, the DEI board for our town. And he was so proud of himself that he was like, so neighborly to these two women. I was like, you know what? You okay, gramps. (laughs) You trying, you trying. (laughs) Yep. Okay. Well, what else do we got this week? Um, I I have a feeling this is one that we're going to need to come back to quite a bit. And there's some resources, I think, in there. If you um, were hearing me, especially and Alex, kind of go through those questions about uh, dismantling your own comp hat here. Yeah. Um, you may want to go and get some further resources Yeah. to go through some of those questions. But the, the bottom line is that don't deny your truth. Yeah. I'll just, um, I'll talk, I'll end with this, the last part of the, the article here, what Kim just said, don't deny your truth is, is how it wraps up. And when you look at heterosexuality as a political institution meant to disempower queer people, it may feel impossible to overcome. If straight culture is so pervasive in daily life, how do we point it out, draw our boundaries and push back? Yeah, I really feel that. Yeah. So gently, keep gently questioning, keep checking in with yourself and your feelings and keep assessing whether the company you keep or throw out of bed deserves your time and energy and respect. Then you're not being compulsory about your choices, regardless of how heteronormative our society is and remains. Mm. So bottom line, don't deny what you know to be your truth. I feel like crying. And I think it's just because that when I look back over and I don't mean cry, like in a, in a, like, I think I mean crying in like a release of energy. Yeah. Um, there's power and knowledge and being able to name things. Yeah. And so when I go through that list and I can recognize, um, because I think one of the things that gets put on me and I say this because I know we have a lot of listeners that are like, I'm trying to come out. I'm trying to come out. I'm trying to come out. This list will help you. Yeah. This list will help name why you've made some of the decisions that you did mm-hmm. and not to feel shame in them. Mm-hmm. And I think when, um, 
when I came out uh, and there's no right way to come out and, you know, we're working towards a society where you don't even have to, but until we get there, like you are kind of forced to come out a little bit. Mm -hmm. And then one of the things that people would do when I came out is they would really say, but you did this, but you said this, but you did this, but you said that and getting the language around this and the understanding of it's not really my fault. It's not my fault that I was socialized to think that I had to go down this one avenue yeah, and that anything that fell off that avenue was not going to be an acceptable choice. Like, it's not my fault that I was in that um, and that I stayed in it as long as I did because mm-hmm. I didn't have the courage, the language or understanding to step out of it. Yeah, None of that is my fault. And that's part of the shame cycle and internalized um, homophobia that I have to work through. Right. I had to acknowledge this isn't your fault, Kim. It is not Alex is and Alex is not your fault either. Yeah. That you were in it as long as you were. Where I would ask our viewers and listeners, have the strength to see that for yourself. Mm-hmm. None of this is your fault. Mm-hmm. You're 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 put into this funnel and expected to come out the same way as everyone else. And if by God, if you're above a certain age you really didn't have a whole lot of chances to step out of it. Yeah. So go through the list, get some language around it, be able to identify those questions for yourself and find the healing and just, Hey, it's not my fault. Yeah. And it's not, um, it's hard. Mm -hmm. I don't want to make it like you, people are listening to me like years and years and years and years out of this. Um, but we know that with, you know, being, um, queer, there is a lot of internalized phobias that you have. Mm -hmm. Like you suffered through transphobia, your own internalized transphobia. Mm -hmm. I suffered through my own internalized homophobia. Yeah. I had homophobia too. Yeah. Yeah. But understanding what comp het is and what it did to you is going to help you heal. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. What do we usually tell people to do at the end of these? I was just going to say, should we tell people what to do? Tell them to do all the things. Um, go, if you, we would, we talked about a whole lot today. If you want to share with us, if you want to, um, you just need to talk about whatever is on your mind, about what, anything we talked about, you can reach out to us at howtobequeerpodcast at gmail.com. We are here for you. Um, yes, we are. We are. And wherever you are in your journey, um, you can find us on the socials, uh, Instagram, Balls of Magic, and Facebook, Balls of Magic. And yeah. And I'm sorry, I never go on the social needs. I know. And, and youth scene mm-hmm. on social media, all, all platforms, as well as Black Pride Colorado. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, TikTok, to me socials. All the socials. You, I thank God for you because if it was left up to me, I'd be like, "Can we send a telegram?" Like, yeah, is <laughs> not. I mean, I still, but I, I will say, like, part of the reason I'm not on social media is I am still scared to be super visible, and that mm. that folks, I'm still on a journey with. I'm getting there. Okay. I just smiled at Alex. Yeah. Okay, wife. All right, wife. Okay. Okay, Balls of Magic. Thank you so much for listening. Go check us out, How, how to Be Queer podcast. Share it. Go to um, Apple 
podcast or Spotify and give us some ratings because I don't know. Because we tell, need them. Tell us what you think. How to be queer podcast at gmail.com. Reach out. We love you. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.